Australia. How are you going? How you going? It's NBA Australia. It's Friday, 2GIF. Am I right? Oh, yeah. Fuck it, Friday. Triple Elimination Friday. You excited? April 29th. I'm your host, James Clements. Uh, we're here. Taking you through all the ins and outs of the NBA playoffs and uh, giving you the lowdown, you know, while repping Australia a bit. That's what we do. Triple Elimination Day today. The Raptors are Dunsky. That's right. The Sixers did not blow a three-zip lead. Devin Booker came back, and the Pelicans and Suns played a belter. And the Suns hold on, and Bojan Bogdanovic misses a triple at the end. The Mavs hold on. They get past the Yaz. Awesome games today. Super fun. So we've got a juicy slab of uh, the old NBA Australian game wraps as well. as That's not a knife. Oh, mate, no, mate. Spot of the night. Better than Lonzo Ball. We've got Dickhead of the Week. It's a bit of a rehash from earlier in the week, but still we've got, yeah, Nazi on Pop the Opinion of the Day and our back takehouse where we're serving up a flame-grilled take. Uh, there's a very brief Australian player watch, and we've got, I believe, an extra bonus Andrew Gay's Grey Mum reward for uh, outstanding achievement in the field of excellence because of today. And uh, we'll preview and pick all the games on the weekend, including our first blush East second round preview because we're there. We're in the second round in the East. Gnarly. And we'll finish up with a classic cooking with Bainsey. So let's get to it. Episode 806 of NBA Australia. Let's go. This is Joe Ingalls, and you're listening to NBA Australia. Watch out for the shark attack. Oh, you better. You better watch out for the bee attack if you're Rudy Gobert. Rudy Gobert is this staff of tower. Oh, my Frenchness can uh, do nothing but to track the bees to my face. You got stung in the noggin. What are you doing, Rudy? Oh, I like to make a zihone. Good job, Rudy. Uh, I also enjoyed that uh, the Inside the NBA crew actually punked him as well. These ain't pets, man. What are you doing? Right, let's start today's show the way we start every show here at NBA Australia with the Daily Web Around. Chris Middleton is out for the entire second round series against the Celtics for the Bucks. It's a grade two MCL sprain that they've sort of looked into. So he's going to miss the entire second round series and. Even coming back for the conference finals, if the Bucks make it through the Celtics, which is a bit hairy if you ask me, might not happen even then. Yeah, you don't fuck with MCLs. And, uh, I mean, the recovery time is wildly, wildly up and down. So that sort of stinks for the Bucks and the Bucks fans that he's not going to be back at all for the second round and uh, maybe even missing parts of the conference finals. So... Look, hopefully he makes a speedy recovery either way. Steve Adams! Oh, sweet as brute! Oh, shit, I finally got the COVID-e! Uh, Memphis Grizzlies came out today and said the big Steve Adams, the big Kiwi Colossus, is in the health and safety protocols. He's be out for Game 6 against the Wolves. Of course, that's not a really big deal, considering he's only played seven minutes since Game 1, uh, as they've gone small. You might remember that. Triple J, Jaron Jackson Jr., and Xavier Tillman. Manning the centre for the Grizz. Uh, other news, uh, obviously Devin Booker and Donnie Mitchell both came back from their injuries today, which is kind of nice injury news. Uh, and the other sorts of news, I mean, Chris Paul got fined for kicking Jose Alvarado in the nuts last game. I think I mentioned on the show, he did the Draymond. I'm going to go for a jumper. Also, Kung Fu kicking your balls. How's your old fella? Well, it's got a dent in it now because I'm a foot. Jesus, Chris. 
dirty as shit. But either way, uh, and Jimmy Butts got fined as well, $15,000 for making a rooting gesture. An obscene gesture of the sideline. And the best part was they find the Heat 15000 because they made a gif of it. The poor fucking social media manager for the Heat probably is on fifteen grand because <laughs> America's fucked, you know. Anyway, uh, last little bit, Joker. He's, he was asked about a uh, potential Supermax five-year extension that would basically be a quarter of a billion dollars. That's right. That's with a B. $254 million dollars. With a five-year Supermax. And uh, he was basically asked about it. He's like, yeah, I'd sign the shit out of it. (laughs) I'm going to buy so much of fucking, like, Serbia. Right. So there you go. There's all the news. Let's get into the elimination games. In the game wraps. Game wraps. Game wraps. Game wraps. Game wraps. Game wraps. That's right. The game wraps today. Philly kicked their shit out of Toronto. 132-97. They avoid blowing a three-zip lead. The craziest part was this game was super tight. And then it wasn't. Uh, awesome game in the first half. And then the third quarter, wow, Philly just put the boot in. Super tight all the way in that first half, though. Harden had 10 points in the first quarter. Gary Terrence, Trent Darby Jr. was out there rolling. The Raps ripped off like an 11-zip lead to take the lead at the start of the second. But unlike game five, this was the big difference, I think, in this one. Um, the Sixers just steadied. They keep ticking along. They actually hit some shots. You might remember in... Uh, Game five, their second quarter was just a fucking disaster. Uh, Danny Green, though, hit four threes in the second quarter, and it made such a big difference because it just gave them the kick along that they needed. And uh, even when they were trailing, they still had a bit of a chance and they were in it. And then they end up with a one-point lead going to the second half, and then bang, bang! Tyrese Maxey just went absolutely fucking ham. He was on an absolute heater. He had 15 points in the third quarter, he basically, like, I don't know, he did a behind-the-back fumble, recover, drop a three-in-your-face move. That's how hot he was. It's like, Jesus, I nearly turned this over. I better shoot it. And it went in. You're like, oh, yep, Raptors are losing this. Raptors didn't score a field goal for early, over five minutes. I think the Sixers ripped off a 22-3 run in that time, and that was about it. The craziest part is, it's the Sixers. So a 21-point fourth-quarter lead... Every Sixers fan there is still just like, oh, how are we going to blow this? Fuck. Oh, we're okay. <laughs> we won by 35. But they just kept it rolling because uh, they just kept manufacturing really good looks. And the Raps kind of were just like, ah, oh, we're down heaps. They gave, like, the Raptors' legs gave out a bit. They just could not hear the shot. Like, nothing was going down at all, it felt like. They ended up going 7 to 35 from three. They shoot under 40% as a team. And in that second half, as soon as the shot stopped dropping and the Philly defense cranked up just that little bit, it was weird because I felt like the Raptors got a lot of good looks and it's just one of those things sometimes they just don't go down. It just sucks that it's in a game that saw them eliminated. So well played by the Sixers, though. They just kind of just made sure. They made sure. And, you know, the game ended basically what a Paul basketball Paul and uh, was it Springer? Back-to-back dunks, 35-point <laughs> win. So Siakam ends up with 24-7-7 with three steals. He went 0-4 from downtown, though. Scoob, the rookie of the year, 2-7 of seven on triples. He had 18-7-3, though. 8-20 of 20 shooting. And that was kind of just their night, right? Like, OG, 2-7, of 1-4 from deep. Just a tough night for him. Boucher played his ass off. Oh, Chris Bobby Boucher. He was rolling early, too. 25 points, 10 rebounds, a block. He goes 2-6 of six from downtown. Precious had his worst game of the series, though. Precious Achua, 
Three points and two rebounds in 22 minutes. Thad Junkbuckets goes 0 of 4. Fred Van Vliet, obviously not playing. Without him there, just as a steadying influence, bit of a tough one. And Gary, Terrence Trent Darby Jr., he started off well, as mentioned, the 11 points earlier, but 19 points in the end, 2 of 6 on triples too. Just too much of a uh, shooting disparity because the Sixers went 16 of 40 from downtown. As we say here on NBA Australia, if you hit the double the amount of threes of the other team, you got to win that game usually. 16 of 40. Unbelievable. They shot 58% from the floor. Embiid had 33 and 10. Maxi 25 and 8. He was unreal. 5 of 12 from downtown. Harden, 22 points, 15 assists, 6 rebounds. He looked good. Harden. He was getting to the cup a little bit. Embiid just sort of at times just going, right, fuck it. Give me the ball. I'm going to score here. It was immense. He went 12 of 18 from the floor to Embiid. It was an awesome game by him. What a warrior. Tobias Harris had 19 and 11. Really good game. He hit a massive three that put them up 29. You're like, yep, that might be it. Uh, Danny Green, 12 and 5. He goes, obviously, as mentioned, 4 or 7 from deep. All four in the third, uh, second quarter. And George Niang, a couple of threes as well. Paul Reed in psycho mode. I love him. 9 and 4. Philly win 4-2. They avoid a game 7. Avoid the historical blowing a three-zip lead, which, to be honest, feels like basically Doc should get a ring. <laughs> it's... Did not blow a three-zip lead. <laughs> Unbelievable. So there you go. Philly go through to play the Hoot. Phoenix held off the Pelicans in a great game. 115-109. My pick, uh, I mentioned this on yesterday's show, I ended up picking Phoenix because uh, we mentioned at the end of the show yesterday that, uh, yeah, if Booker played, then we're going the Suns. Booker played, we picked the Suns. They were minus two and a half. That was a win. So 115-109, a great game. Tight first half, back and forth. Pelicans had an 11-zip run as well. Two minutes left in the second. They just took control of it. And the Suns just couldn't score. Turnovers, missed shots. It was a bit weird. Uh, the Pels, though, they just the heart and hustle of that team. They're up 10 going in the second half. And there was a couple of moments there where it felt like they might run away with it. But after uh, Jose Alvarado ran into uh, Chris Paul, which was hilarious in the second quarter, the place was going absolutely fucking nuts. And it felt like the Pelicans really just had all the momentum And the big difference in this game was that, oh yeah, Chris Paul didn't miss a fucking shot. Not one. Not even a shingle one. Unbelievable. Chris Paul just looked at them and went, look, you reckon you're going to knock me out? You reckon you're going to force a game seven? Yeah, nah, fuck off, dickhead. Uh, He kept the Suns in it. Gave them the lead in the third quarter as well. Seriously, it was crazy. They settled down the Suns. They sort of got off to a really good start at the start of the third uh, Chris Ball had a couple of buckets. He was rolling. And the big difference was that CJ McCollum picked up his fourth foul and uh, Willie Green left him in there. And then, of course, he picked up his fifth. <laughs> That's how it always goes. No, nah, coach, I'll be fine. Fuck. There's my fifth. Uh, but the big problem was Jonas Valanciunas got his fourth as well. And every time Jonas is in foul trouble, it really stymies his game and obviously the Pelican sort of inside-out attack. And uh, the Suns got in there. Like, they got the lead in the third quarter. Chris Paul was 10 of 10 at that point. Bridges hits a three. You're like, oh, shit, Sun's going to run run away with it. But then Herb, Herb it, gets a fucking, what? He had a three. Then he has that insane behind-the-back dribble drive over the top of three Suns. Gets it to go. He hits a couple of free throws. Jose Alvarado gets a nice one to go. The Pals are up three going to the fourth. Then it's just hammering tongs. I love a good arm wrestle down the stretch. Cam Johnson finally showed up, hit a couple of big shots. Super tight, though. There was like a couple of two-minute stretches where nobody scored. It was turnovers. 
It was offensive rebounds uh, that then got blocked or just the amount of times. And this was a weird one in the Jazz game too. It felt like the amount of layups that hit the side of the ring and never got over there. It's like, tired legs, man, tired legs. Uh, But Crowder was out there airballing threes but also blocking Jose Alvarado shots. But either one, the biggest down the stretch, you've got a pair of Alvarado free throws. Aiton gets an alley-oop. Spindles finally gets a shot to go. He had a tough night. He's being doubled, basically. Monty Williams is like, fuck it. We're not going to lose to Brandon Ingram. We're doubling. And they really sort of forced the ball out of his hand. He ended up with like 11 assists. But anyway, Pelicans lead by one, less than two minutes to go, which is chaos. Just think about that. They're up one with less than two minutes to go. But CP3 draws a double. Or at least it looked like a switch, and CJ sort of forgot where it was meant to go. Uh, Devin Booker hadn't hit a three all night. Smokes it! Bang! Suns back up. CJ turns it over. Bridges gets a dunk. Suns up four. And that's pretty much it. Spindles misses out of the timeout. Chris Paul draws another foul. Hits a couple. There's a minute to go. Suddenly the Suns are up six. It's like, how the fuck did this just happen? This is what the Suns do. When it comes to the clutch, they're going to out-execute you and you have to fucking step up. And the Pelicans, look, they're a bit young. They're a bit inexperienced. They're a bit wobbly. Even if Spindles Ingram and CJ McCollum and Jonas have been around for a while... It's just the battle-tested sort of nature of the Suns is really reared its head. Because uh, Larry Nance Jr., though, he got an awesome three-point play. God damn, it was good. But then CP3 just dribble, 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 dribble. Oh, I'm going to fucking drop a jumper in your face. It was beautiful. It's his 14th bucket. He hasn't missed a shot. Uh, Spindles answered that, but there's not enough time left because it's like 21 seconds. They foul Booker. It's both. Off we go from there. Spindles then missed three threes. In their last two possessions, <laughs> and a bit of a tough one. Suns win. Uh, Pelicans, 16 turnovers, 8 of 24 from downtown. Kobe! And uh, 50% from the floor. Spindles, 21 points, 11 assists, shot 8 of 19. He played a really good game, I thought, considering how much pressure he was under all game. Uh, six turnovers. CJ, though, just couldn't get his shot to go, really. 16 points on 16 shots, 1 of 5 from downtown. Only one assist and three turnovers. Look... That's the Suns' defense. They were just really making the Pelicans work. But, I mean, that's why they also had Jose Alvarado out there just for heaps of the game. Herb at 16-4-4. My name is Jonas. As mentioned, foul trouble. So he ends up with 10 points, 8 rebounds, 4 assists. Um, Alvarado with 11 points and 4 assists. God damn, he was good. The acting job on running into Chris Paul. My big shot! It's like Chris Paul just stopped dead. Anyway, uh, Larry Nance Jr., 15-8. The hustle, the heart. God damn, I just love him on that team. Trey Murphy, 4-7, all from downtown as well. Devontae Graham. I will get him to replace Lonzo Ball. That was some of the worst minutes you'll see in a playoff game. Anyway, the the Suns, they shot 60% from the floor. That's pretty good. They went 8 of 20 from downtown, which is pretty chaos. And to win this, I only take 23s to hit 8 of them, the same amount as the Pals and 4 less attempts. Big difference, though. But the biggest difference, Chris fucking Ball! He had 33! And he didn't miss a shot. He goes 14 of 14. The perfect game. One of one from downtown. Four of four at the free throw line. What a legend. 36 minutes plus 17. Jesus. Booker has 13. He shot five of 12. As mentioned, as mentioned, one of six from downtown. And the big three that he hit was the uh, game changer. Three assists. Aiton was awesome as well. 10 of 12 shooting. So for the fact that he... And Chris Paul combined to shoot 24 of 26 is absolutely amazing. But he also hit some really nice, like, little turnaround jumpers. A couple of nice little hook shots in there. 22-7-4 for him. 18 for Bridges. Crowder 
one of four from downtown. Uh, I enjoyed how much the Pelicans fans hated him, uh, but he was handy. Cam Johnson, 13 points, two of three from downtown, and campaign. A couple of steals, not much else there, but he gave him a nice little boost at one point where he hit one three. <laughs> Off he went. Phoenix, they win 4-2, go on to take the winner of Dallas, Utah, which is Dallas. Exciting times. That was awesome. Great series. The Pelicans, the fight, the heart, the hustle. I love them. And then, of course, the last game today, the final elimination game, 98, the Dallas Mavericks win in Utah, 96. Uh, Despite taking a total of two shots that weren't threes in the fourth quarter. (laughs) I was tweeting about this, just like absolutely aghast. And it's like, yeah. We understand that the Jazz and their defensive rotations on the perimeter aren't really that fucking great. But to only attempt two twos in the fourth quarter is absolutely insane. But they get away with a weird first half. It was a weird first quarter. No one could score. And I do love that they sort of talk to Jason Kidd, obviously the coach of the Mavericks. And they're like, what do you reckon, Jason? He's like, yeah, it was fucked. (laughs) No one could do shit. I'm not too worried about us because no one can hit a shot. 15 and 21. Conley was looking good. Donnie Mitchell was cooking. Ends up 6 of 9. Nice at the half. Bojan was looking good. And the Jazz, Bojan hit a shot right at the end of the first half. And it had the Jazz up 12. The place was going crazy. They just really sort of rested the game away from Dallas. And you're like, oh, God. That's a 12-point deficit. What's going to happen? How are they going to get back from this? And the answer is... Hit all your threes. That's <laughs> basically like the answer. So I always hit a lot more threes than them. That might work. And guess what? It did. Um, but it was such a fun fucking game. And it's like got, you know, all the sort of, uh, all the different vibes of this weird Utah team where through three quarters, like, I don't know, the Jazz just can't sort of get anything going. But they're still, and they shit the bed in the third quarter. But that fourth quarter, I'm still just getting over it. No one could hit a shot in the fourth quarter. Like, yeah. Anyway, um, but Brunson played his ass off. He had like 13 points in that first half. Luca was looking wonky. Finney Smith was okay. Spencer was right, but just nothing from Sniper Alert, Reggie Bullock, Powell, and Kleber. They were all like one of eight combined. Josh Green missed a three that broke my fucking heart because it was wide open. Uh, and then Kid in the second half. This was the turning point. He goes super small. Super small to start off the third quarter. They rip off an eight-zip run. So suddenly that 12-point lead is a, uh, only a four-point one. You're like, oh, geez, okay. So they're basically rolling out there with, like, Spencer, Brunson, Luca, Reggie, and Finney Smith. Like, fuck all Kleber, fuck all Powell. They popped in a little bit later, but goddamn, it worked. And, I mean, this is the thing. Rudy's not the guy who's going to punish you. Rudy played all 12 minutes of that third quarter and went over one from the floor. He had two free throws and two rebounds. He was a minus 17. That is absolutely fucking chaos. Like, what are we doing here? God damn it, Rudy. Against that small lineup. Either way, an incredible end to the third quarter after they... There was a great moment where Luca and Bojan are trading threes. Uh, but then they cranked up the defense of the Mavs. Bullock hits a three. Spencer hits a three. Finney Smith hits a three. It ends up has a 13-2 run to close out the quarter. And they go from, like, what, six down to up four. A uh, five-point lead, rather, obviously. Um, going into the fourth. And you're like, what the shit just happened? They hit their shots. They went 
8 of 12 from downtown in the third quarter. 8 of 12. That is incredible. They hit more threes than the Jazz hit field goals in that one. So it ends up as a 36-19 third quarter. And then the fourth quarter is just fucking chaos. <laughs> it was so good. Max Schleiermacher hits a three to start it off. And then the Mavs just don't score for like the next four minutes. And the problem was the Jazz couldn't get over the hump. They bring in Pascal. The Jazz crowd get hyped. There's offensive rebounds coming out of everywhere for the Jazz. All of a sudden, it's a two-point game. Dinwiddie hits another three, though. The Mavs, though, it just it was weird to watch it because it's getting tough. It's getting hard. It just turned into hard and clear out, for me, small ball ball, right? Luca and four shooters. So it turns into a rain of threes, not a giant amount of ball movement either. And at least Utah were driving. This was like the head-scratchingest aspect of it. As I said about the uh, Pelicans game, it felt like there was at least four layups that hit like the side of the rim and didn't quite get over. And the refs were kind of like, yeah, we're not going to call fouls now. So just chill the fuck out. And yeah, they just kept leaving shots short. And it was a bunch of empty trips on both ends for like the middle, like basically the middle of this quarter. It was 85-80 for like a million years. Either way... The Jazz just keep answering. They tie it up at 94 after Luka hits an insane step back three. And Jalen Brunson, there's like a minute 40 left. He's left alone in the uh, quarter for a split second. Hits it. Mavs up three. Bojan jacks a huge long three. Early the shot clock, he misses. What are you doing, Bojan? Brunson draws a foul. Luka can't get a shot to go. Doran Finney-Smith is left wide open in there for as well. But either way, on the last Jazz possession... They're right there. They're right there. And then they weren't because Mike Conley traveled. It's like, what just happened? You're going to call it travel? Ah. So it all came after Rudy Gobert basically got the uh, sort of pass in from Donnie. They're down three, obviously, after the uh, Brunson three with a couple of minutes to go. And off we go. Rudy gets it. It's a one-point game. Luca drives into the paint, tries to shoot over Rudy. Misses, and we're like, fuck, all right, well, jazz. It's like a 10 seconds left. They drive it up, and Mike Conley gets called for traveling. Jalen Brunson, he gets the ball. They foul him on the inbounds, five seconds left. He misses one of them. So it's a two-point game, 4.3 seconds left. Bojan, he gets the most wide-open look in the world. He's got all the time. I think I tweeted out he was more open than a 7-11. Jesus. Hits the side of the rim. Jazz lose. Mavs go on. It was absolute chaos. Luca finally wins his first ever playoff series. He played his ass off, but man, the Mavs were just a good team. All those threes. They took more than half their shots in this game were from three. It was 43 three-point attempts to 80 total field goal attempts. That is fucking nuts. Either way, crazy game. Donnie Mitchell, look. Oh, I'm a hammy saw man. He ended up with 23-8-9. Shot 9 of 17 and 2 of 7 from downtown. I'm just saying, my initial call, if you've been listening to NBA Australia for a long time, was that Donnie Mitchell, shades of Steve Francis 2.0. I'm just saying. There were moments, especially in the bubble, especially in the playoffs, where he's just going hammering tongs with dudes. We're like, all right, I'm an idiot. I'll shut up. And then this season, I don't know, man. I don't know. Just saying. Anyway, uh, 19 for Bojan. He goes 7-15, 3-6 from downtown. But 
Those last two three-point attempts were fucking brutal. Uh, 8.6 rebounds for Royce O'Neal, who could not buy a three. Every time he shot it, it looked good. 0 of 5, he ends up. Mike Conley started off all right, as mentioned. He ends up with 11 points, 8 assists, but he shot 4 of 10 and 1 of 6 from downtown. Jordan Jeremy Clarkson couldn't quite get it going. He was their only sort of source of offense at different points. But just a couple of crucial misses too. 15 points on 15 shots for him. He shot 5 of 15, 2 of 6 from downtown. And their three-point specialist, Daniel House, 5 points, 0 of 3 from downtown, while Rudy Gobert, 10 points, 12 rebounds, 0 blocks, 0 steals, 0 assists, 3 of 6. Give that man his money! 9 of 35 from uh, downtown as a team. 11 turnovers. They out-rebounded by 11, but... Just wasn't enough because the Mavs just decided to hit 17 of 43 threes. <laughs> it's fucking nuts, isn't it? 24 for Luca, Nine rebounds. Eight assists. 24 for Brunson. Three rebounds, two assists, a couple of steals. Brunson shot nine of 17, two of four from three. Reggie Bullock finally got a couple of threes to go. 6.6 rebounds, two steals for him. He was really good defensively, though. Uh, 18, 10, and 5 for Dorian Finney-Smith. I fucking love Dodo. 4 of 9 from downtown. 4 of 7 from downtown for Spencer Dinner with his 19 points. He was a plus 12. He was really, really good. Uh, Josh Green. Oof. Tough two minutes for him, man. Joshy. Maxi Kleber. Hello. The 7.6 rebound, 3 assists, but 1 of 5 from downtown. The one that he hit, and he hit another sort of weird flat jumper. There was a long two at the end of the third where you're like, how the fuck did that go in? Either way, great coaching, I thought, by Jason Kidd and his staff. The super small ball lineup just really fucked up Rudy Gobert. It was just weird to sort of watch a Mavericks team that has been like, you know, Spencer Dinwiddie, Jalen Brunson, Luca. They're never really afraid to drive, but it was just so perimeter-oriented. I feel like they were kind of lucky to get away with it. They had 11 free-throw attempts. Like, that just shows you how often they're getting into the paint. Uh, but there you go. They get through it. They win. 4-2. Off they go. To play the Suns. Now that is going to be a series. All right, let's do an NBA show approved performance of the night. <laughs> That's not a knife. That's a knife. Oh, well, I mean, Joel Embiid had 33 and 10, and Tyrese Maxey's third quarter is really good, and Luka Doncic, look, he shot 8 of 21, 4 of 10 from 3. That step back 3 was sick. He ends up with 24 and 9 and 8. It doesn't matter! Chris Paul was fucking perfect! In a closeout game, sends the Pelicans home. Well, they were already home. But 33 points, 8 assists, 14 of 14 from the floor, 1 of 1 from downtown and 4 of 4 from the line. The point god, you know where this game is going? You know where it's going? This is going straight to the pool room. My God, it was incredible in that third quarter. So not just enough for the uh, fourth quarter heroics and that big shot he hit down the stretch, but God damn, that third quarter where it really looked like the Suns are just teetering. Like there was just that moment where the Suns are like, ah, fuck it, we'll get them in game seven at home. And Chris Paul's like, no, nah, fuck that noise. We're winning now. And uh, he fights to get them back in the game. He and Jose and Jose Alvarado just going at it all game, and Chris Paul just fucking went hammer and tongs in it, and boom, literally didn't miss a shot. That third quarter was one for the ages. He was amazing. It's definitely a straight to the pool room moment. Chris Paul, what a legend! It's one of those moments where you go, yeah, Chris Paul's like weird sort of back history of uh, playoff failure, 
And so often it's always injury-related. And it's like one or two times there's like a big choking moment. This is the opposite of that. What a fucking statement game it was. The statement was, I've heard all of you idiots shit-talking me. Go fuck yourselves. That's what that game was. <laughs> Loved it. All right, who was Spud of the Night, though, Jimmy? Spud, 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 Raptors are out of that the second half as soon as that big 22-3 run was Dunsky. But uh, Thad goes 0-4. He did have seven rebounds, a steal, and a couple of assists. I mentioned Precious, though. One of seven and 0 of 2 from downtown. Two rebounds, one assist, and that was it for Precious in 22 long minutes. He's been really good, but, yeah, that was a game to forget. But spot of the night's got to go to Devontae Graham. I mentioned him earlier. Five minutes of just sheer ineptitude uh, <laughs> of one. He just he took one three and missed it and did zip else in his five minutes. Zeros the rest of the way. Didn't bother the scorers, didn't do anything else. Just out there getting some cardio in. Five minutes of cardio. Played five minutes. It was a minus five. Devontae Graham is the bloke that they're like, ah, oh, fuck it. Well, we'll let Lonzo go, but we'll sign Devontae Graham. He'll fill in for Lonzo, and he's just fucking unplayable. <laughs> so that was a tough one. And very, very, very spud-worthy. So spud of the night, Devontae Graham. Old mate, no mates. 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 Who's got no mates today? Well, it's Joel Embiid in Toronto. <laughs> Fuck Embiid. Fuck Embiid. It was uh, pretty great. There was like the moment where he's like he kind of half stepped over Chris Boucher, and uh, Boucher sort of tried to trip him up. And uh, he's doing the, all right, he gives him the ears. Like, turn it up. I want to hear it. What's going on? What are you saying? Oh, fuck MB. Guess what? I'm kicking your ass. But I don't know. It's like a uh, pretty fun one. Like, And this is uh, a great moment just for the Sixers. Like, it doesn't quite, uh, you know, wash out the bad taste of losing game seven in the second round in 2019. But uh, here we are. Um, (laughs) But still, I enjoyed how much they hated him. And the fuck MB chants were pretty neat. So good job, Joel Embiid. Pantsing of the night. Ah, oh, a bit of a pantsing. Just the Jose Alvarado running to Chris Paul was pretty great, wasn't it? Just ab- like Chris Paul was just, I'm going to get this little fucker back. Bang! Just poleaxe him in with the blindside block. And Jose didn't... S- it's like one of those ones where you look at it and Jose's like, I did not see this coming, but you saw it coming just enough that... As soon as the contact happened, he sold it immensely, and off he went. Uh, but the Raptors, look, that was a bit of a panting in the second half. The 22-3 to run, it was just a Sixers avalanche. Like, you get that on the big jobs, though, so you can't really crap on them that much. I'll talk about the Raptors again later, but there you go. Who was better than Lonzo Ball? Lonzo was the best player in high school. He was the best player in college. You think you're going to get to the pros and be like, I made it to the pros, now I can be average. We're coming for everybody. Coming for everybody. Who is better than Lonzo Ball today? Tyrese Maxey, that's right. 25 points, 8 assists, 3 rebounds, only 2 turnovers, a plus 32 on the game. He shot 8 of 16 and 5 of 12 from downtown. Just took the game by the scruff of the neck as well. It was absolutely fantastic, and it was exactly what the Sixers needed. And not to trumpet my own uh, horn too much, but it's exactly what I kind of vaguely predicted on yesterday's show, that the Raptors would win that game, uh, would not win that game at home, and that the Sixers, without Fred Van Vliet, uh, 
the Raptors without Fred Van Vliet. The Sixers would use a bit more speed from Maxi. Hard might get to the cup a couple of times, and they'll uh, sort of get it in the end, and they did. So Tyrese Maxi though, was absolutely fantastic after a couple of quiet games. That third quarter just absolutely turned the game on its head, though. So what a fucking showing from the young man. And today, he's better than Lonzo Ball. Finally, Dickhead of the Week. Dickhead of the Week. I send shots at the puppet masters, not the puppets. All puppets do is run around society trying to gain popularity and state opinions. What a life! My name is worth billions to these media corporations. My brothers and sisters who deal with this know exactly what I mean. Oh, shut the fuck up, Kyrie! Oh, God. Hey, man, yeah, you know, just me and Kev, just gonna manage this. What a wanker. I feel like if you show up for the last three games of a series, you can say whatever the fuck you want, even if you do get swept. But if you show up, do sweet fuck all in three games and your team gets swept, just go the fucking holiday, Kyrie. What are you doing, you dickhead? And you're the dickhead of the week. Right, let's do some Yanaz right after this. This is Cam Glidden. This is Anthony Drimmick. This is Mitch McCarran. This is Jason Kiddie. This is Daryl McDonald. Hey guys, this is Hugh Greenwood. Yo, what's going on? This is Ellie. This is Mark Worthington, or commonly known as Wertho, and you're listening to NBA Australia. You're listening to NBA Australia. And you're listening to NBA Australia. And you're listening to NBA Australia. 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 All right, let's do some here now. They're brought to you by the NBA Australia shop. That's right, get your merch. Get your merch, get your merch. Wear it. Get your merch, get your merch. Get your merch, get your merch. Yeah, you better. And you can get it at nbaaustralia.com slash shop or just click on any of the links through the socials. Off you go. Get a hoodie, get a t-shirt. I'll get it out to you quick. Smart. And you look sweet as in some sweet new NBA Australia duds. The t-shirts are fucking great. I'm wearing one right now, actually. Uh, right, let's do some yeah, Nas. Number one, Jez Oz. He sent one in saying, that was a fucking statement game by the Sixers. Yeah, nah. Yeah, it was. And I loved it. And I loved that I was actually uh, on it yesterday. And I'm like, yeah, they're going to win this one. Just the Raptors, they gave their sort of all across those games, four and five. And uh, the Sixers were just pretty shit, let's be honest. So they just needed a better bit of, uh, I don't know, effort from Embiid. Defensively, they just needed to click in a little bit more and Harden just needed to step up. And Jez actually uh, added on to that. Finally, Fat Man Hoops turned up and Maxi's a fucking weapon. Yeah, they are. And it was awesome. It was exactly what they needed in that game. And uh, the other sort of flip side is this. Does this wash away the disappointment of 2019 Game 7? Kawhi, donk, 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 donk. Yeah, nah, nah. I mean, that's a Game 7. You can come back and, you know, a couple of years later and beat them in the first round, 4-2. But at the same time, I feel like if the Sixers had have swept them and won that fourth game in Toronto uh, and won it convincingly like they did today, that would have been much more of a uh, wiping away the stains of the past kind of vibe. But to still be, like, out there shitting the bed pretty epically and crap the bed away, uh, crap away two games... Yeah, it doesn't uh, wash away the disappointment of 2019 that much. Anyway, uh, but that was a great game by the Sixers. Well done. Uh, Burnsy sent one in the other day uh, on Twitter. With Randall and Fournier being so underwhelming at the Knicks this year, likewise Russ at the Lakers, would there be logic for either team to pursue a trade for next season? Yeah, nah. I think what the, the last thing the Knicks need is Russell Westbrook next to... Uh, 
I mean, if you're going to get rid of Randall and Fournier, maybe. But uh, I'd just rather go, right, RJ Barrett, you and Emmanuel quickly, do your thing. Whereas Rusty, but it does feel like a very great, it feels like a great sort of uh, personality fit, right? Whereas the Knicks don't talk to anybody. They're always grumpy. Oh, Leon Rose will never talk to anybody. And then Rusty's like, I fucking hate all you. <laughs> That'd be great. So I'd love to see that happen. It's a good call, Bernsey. Let's do that. Uh, right, back to the Raptors. Was that a good result of a season for the Raps? Yeah, nah. Yeah, I think it was. Because coming to this season, it was very much like, you know, lower half of the playoff picture and... We've got Scotty Barnes. Who knows what we're going to get out of that? The fact that Scotty Barnes won Rookie of the Year and was fucking awesome actually probably helped save this Raptors season because if he hadn't have been as good as he was, if they had Jalen Suggs, uh, my lord. That was super dangerous going to the playoffs. Like, I think the biggest problem was, yeah, without a healthy Fred Van Vliet for pretty much the second half of the season and without that one extra sort of player that they could rely on, it felt like they could be figured out a bit in the playoffs and that's what you sort of saw today, right? Like... Um, and that's what they are. They're sort of short one actual center to throw against a dude like Embiid. Um, if they could finagle, say, Miles Turner, sign me the fuck up. But the thing is, like, just think about the Raptors. They end up 48 and 34, the same record as the Nuggets. But they were like 23 and 23 on Australia Day. They had a really slow start. So they go 25 and 11 after January 26. And once they sort of got everybody back, Siakam played his ass off in the second half of the year. And so once they were healthy and they had their dudes, they rolled. So if they get that one extra bit, say it's a big, like Miles Turner can play a bit of defense, shoot a hint, that'll be all right. But I think they'll be fine with this group anyway. Like long-rangey athletes everywhere, that's their thing. A bit more uh, growth out of Scoob and their young dudes, and they might be all right. So, But that's a pretty good result of a season for the Raps. I mean, they feel like they probably had a bit of a – Punch's chance going to the playoffs, they were super dangerous. But without Fred Van Vliet firing on all cylinders and Gary being out with a non-COVID illness, just yeah, bad timing. Uh, speaking of which, the Pelicans, do they have a base to build from now? Yeah, nah, yeah, they do. They're so fucking fun. CJ McCollum, Spindles, just that combo makes them dangerous. Throwing some Herb Jones and some My Name is Jonas Valanciunas right there. And whatever they get in the eventual Zion trade, like they'll be a fun, dangerous smoky next year. <laughs> Should they trade Zion, Jimmy? Yeah, nah. I'll get to that in a second. Uh, but if Zion stays, they could be amazing, right? Like getting, if they could figure out the balance of CJ McCollum, Spindles Ingram, Zion, another year of Herb, Jose and Trey Murphy. You've got Jonas in the middle. If Zion actually fucking buys in, and they figure out how to split the ball handling duties across Spindles and CJ and Zion so everybody's kind of happy. God damn, that's a fun team. Love it. Speaking of which, should the Jazz blow it up? Yeah, nah. I mean, yeah. But you know that Danny Ainge is going to do something because he's Danny Ainge. He can't help himself. The vibe is, though, you know, you've got Rudy, you've got Donnie Mitchell. I feel like the weird, it is the weirdest sort of vibe that the focus is on those two as like being the problem. Whereas I'm like, those two are the only dudes I'd fucking keep. <laughs> right? The rest of the roster, just fucking have at it. But to go, right, we're Jody Donnie Mitchell. I'm going to get RJ Barrett from the Knicks. Fuck off. You know, that kind of vibe. I'd rather just keep Donnie and Rudy. 
unless they actually in you know behind the scenes actually fucking hate each other. In which case, you go, all right, see you, Rudy. Um, but if Donnie also wants out, I don't know. There's some big decisions. But the point is, and this is the big yeah, nah, is this just the basketball gods and karma biting the jazz in the ass because they traded Jingling Joe Ingles? Yeah, nah, wait for it. Oh, fucking do! Of course it is. You can't trade Joe Ingles. And expect that the basketball gods go, what are you fucking doing, you idiots? Bang! Slap you over the back of the head with a six-game series loss to the Mavs. That's how it goes. But either way, can't wait for the offseason for the Jazz. Whereas the Raps and Pelicans are probably a little bit more of a uh, relaxed, focused-in offseason. Just saying. Uh, right. Unpopular opinion of the day. Now look at me, please. Look at me. Look at me. Look at me. I would trade the fuck out of Zion Williamson if... I hear one single more, eh, I don't know, man, he's not really feeling it there in New Orleans fucking report that comes from, like, sources, a.k.a. his camp. Because that team is fucking awesome, they play their ass off, and they're fun as shit. How would Zion not want to be around that and build that fucking team? And if you want to go somewhere else, then go. Your head's very fucking clearly in the wrong spot, Ben Simmons extra. Like, what the fuck? Seriously, you can't look at that team and go, oh, gee, I don't know. it doesn't look like that much fun. That looks amazing. Because if we get to Outback Takehouse... It's Friday at Outback. You know what that means? Ice cold 4 for 1! 2GIF oil drum cans full of icy cold. Foster's Lager. That's right, it's Australian for beer and definitely not horse piss in a can. Four for one, only at Outback. Goes great with the Flame Grill take. And today's Flame Grill take is, if Zion Williamson was actually playing, the Pelicans would have beaten the Suns and then beaten the Mavs and been in the Western Conference Finals. Only at Outback. I mean, you're not wrong. Spot the fucking lie. (laughs) The Suns could barely beat him without him. Just saying. All right. Australian player watch right after this. This is Matthew Delvedover, and you're listening to NBA Australia. All right, Australian player watch today is very quick because obviously no Matty T, Matisse Tybal, because the Sixers played north of the border in Canada, and Matty T thought there was no benefit in him getting a vaccination that has been proven safe a billion times over. Anyway, uh, Josh Green, as mentioned, though, uh, missed a wide-open three in his two minutes for the Mavs. It broke my fucking heart. So he played two minutes, and they were minus six in that time. But he did have one offensive rebound. You're like, yes, get him, Josh. Uh, So he ends up with zero points, one rebound in his two minutes. Um, And this has kind of been the problem, and uh, it's been the problem all series for Greeny, whereas apart from game three, where he stepped up and absolutely smashed in, a career high three of five from downtown. Uh, just that lack of right. Cool, I'm coming in. I'm going to hit my first couple of shots, and off we go. Unfortunately, apart from game three, it was I'm going to come in, I'm going to miss a couple of shots, and then Jason Kidd's going to yank me in. It went from I think ten minutes, six minutes, and then what? I think fourteen minutes in game five uh, to two minutes tonight, and. Uh, you can see why Kid would do it. It's like, yep, yeah, cool, get him out there for a little bit of defense. He and Davis Batans were basically on the same boat in this one. Batans played two minutes, missed a shot. And Kid's like, right, fuck it. We're rolling with our best dudes. 
Like, Finney Smith played 46 minutes today. Like, Reggie Bullock, 44, like, 42 for Luca, And that's smart because you've got to win the game. You don't want to play a game seven. So, Josh Green, look, good series. He'll have, uh, you know, better ones in the future as well. But, goddamn, that game three was awesome that he played. Just saying. Right, that extra bonus Andrew Gay's Grey Mumber Award for outstanding achievement in the field of excellence. Oh, yes. It's the first annual... Andrew Gay's Grey Mumber Clap, 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 clap. All right. Chris Paul. Obviously, the best shooting game in playoff history. That is literally an outstanding achievement in the field of excellence. It's the greatest shooting game in NBA playoff history. He's the first player to shoot 14 of 14. He's the first to go over 13 field goals without a miss. That is absolutely fucking crazy. The best part is he combined to go 18 of 18 on field goals and free throws. And that's the fifth player ever to do that in the shot clock era like ever and the first to do it in the playoffs that is so fucking clutch I love it but the best part was he goes 11 of 11 outside the paint seriously outside the paint he was 11 of 11 that's the most shots made from beyond the paint without a miss by any player in the last 25 years including regular season and playoffs that is an outstanding achievement in the field of excellence and that's why that game is going you know where it's going you know where it went this is going straight to the pool room. You better bloody believe it. All right, a really quick Luke Longley award uh, for uh, the role players who just do their bloody job. I've got to give this before, because we won't see them again this playoffs. Uh, Jose Alvarado, Larry Nance, Herb Jones. I fucking love this Pelicans team. <laughs> Can you tell? I keep talking about them, but it's because they're fun. They play the right way. They play hard. They give so much, but... Trey Murphy out there as well, but Jose Alvarado played 31 minutes today. It was absolutely amazing. The 11 points, three rebounds, four assists. Larry Nance, 21 minutes, goes 5-9 and nine from the floor, 15 points, eight rebounds, one steal and an assist. And uh, Herb Jones, 16-4-4 four four with four steals. He was an absolute fucking menace was Herb. I loved it. So there you go. They just did their bloody job. And the crazy thing is they're all super young, big, bright, Pelicany futures ahead. So great job. Jose Alvarado, Larry Nance, Herb Jones, and Trey Murphy. Why not? Great stuff. Right. Patty Mills, Game Day Bella, Game Day Twitter check-in. Oh, this is a nice one from Jingles, isn't it? Enjoying this. So uh, Jingling Joe Ingles uh, was out there today because they've gone and named. So the Melbourne Vixens tweeted out, proud to announce that our Culture C certified sensory inclusive space at John Kane Arena in Melbourne Sponsored, uh, supported by RACV official, will be renamed the Ingalls Family Sensory Room in honor of club legend. Legend. <laughs> legend. <laughs> Good job, Jimmy. <laughs> Good reading. Uh, in honor of club legend Renee Ingalls, Joe Ingalls, and their family. And so Jingles retweeted that saying, Super pumped about this space and thankful for the Melbourne Vixens wanted to name it after our family. Love it. But of course, that's some nice, inspiring stuff from Joe Ingalls. My favorite was. Uh, the Josh Hart tweet of should I keep number 11 Jingling Joe Ingles retweeted that and said no one buys your jersey anyway <laughs> and that is now gone wildly fucking viral like it's over 90,000 likes as I'm reading it uh, 
I think I retweeted that and said, just look at the replies for this and you remember, yeah. Collectively, Americans have the sense of humor of a fucking cinder block. Jingles is very clearly taking the piss, having a dig at his mate Josh. They're on the same fucking team. Jingles is like, I love Josh Hart. Oh, no one buys your fucking jerseys anyway, dickhead. And there's so many fucking losers go, Hey, man, I bought his jersey. It's like, you fucking dorks. <laughs> Shut up, idiots. Uh, right, anyway, let's do some game previews. We'll do our second round preview as well. Ahead uh, of some of these uh, game ones. Let's do it. Game previews. Game previews. Thanks, Inverting Bane. Not a problem, Jimmy. Excited for the weekend? Yes, I am! You might tell we've gone through this uh, show a bit quick today. I've got to go take the squid up to the uh, olds. He's going to stay there, going to come back, and then uh, get shit tanned and go see some bands tonight. They've got a wedding on the weekend too, so... Should be fun, but we went 3 of 3 on today's picks. You'll love to see that. So we're now 21 of 42. We're back up to 500 for the uh, season uh, for the playoffs, which is really good. So 21 of 42, you'll take that. Uh, but going 3 of 3 today was really good. Very, very close as well, I think, because uh, the Mavericks were minus 1.5 and 1 by 2. And uh, yeah, nailed the Phoenix one, minus 2.5. And, and Philly, obviously, more than covered. So... Happy days. All right, before we get into the actual games on the weekend, uh, the second round series, we'll just do the uh, East and three big questions and then the uh, first set second round in the West as well. So Philly, Miami, 1-4 in the East. Jimmy Butler, can he hero ball it again when they get in trouble against Philly like he did against the Hawks? That's going to be a big fucking question because we know that Miami get into jams sometimes if they're not making threes and Butler just stepped up massively against the Atlanta Hawks time and time again. Uh so I'm fascinated to see what happen, what happens here. The other thing is like whether or not Kyle Lowry is actually good to go because he's going to be fucking huge for Phil, uh, for Miami against Philly, right? Because they've got the guards like Tyrese Maxey, like big booty James Harden over there going up against big booty Kyle Lowry. It's fat man who Philly Clan going up against big booty. I love it. The big boys. And if Lowry can go out there and sort of slow down Harden, make his life hell, that's huge. So uh, he's had a bit of time off, though, so he should be all right. And then the last one is Bam versus Embiid. How tasty is that much up? Along with the Mosquito fleet of Struess, Martin, Gabe Vincent, Hero. So essentially it turns into the big fellas and the role players, right? So Bam versus Embiid and the role players of uh, Miami, a.k.a. the Mosquito fleet, between PJ Tucker, Struess, Vincent, Hero, etc. And then on the other side, you've got Maxi. You've got Niang. You've got Tobias Harris. I kind of like Miami, but at the same time, the more I've looked at this series, you know that Miami's going to just have a chip on their shoulder. You know Jimmy Butler's going to go absolutely hammering tongs. I think Philly pulled this out in seven. That's my pick for the series. I think Embiid would just be a little bit too much for them. And if Harris and Harden can just give him enough and Maxi's enough on the uh, edges and their defense holds up against the likes of Hero and Vincent and Struess and they don't shoot the absolute bejesus out of it, then I think Philly can get this. But I think it's going to be an absolute classic. And then the flip side is Milwaukee at Boston. So we've got the 2-3 matchup. Can Boston's D do what they did to KD, to Giannis? Oof. It's going to be huge. you got Tatum and Brown being checked by that Milwaukee D. The flip side is that. Their D is probably likely, has probably a better chance of slowing down Giannis than anything else. They just did slow down pretty, you know, KD pretty effectively. But is there anyone on Milwaukee who can slow down 
the combo of Tatum and Brown. You know? No Middleton. Do the Bucks stay big with Portis? That's another big question. I don't know. I just don't like the Bucks. Without Middleton, the Bucks, it's just really tough. Like, you can do what you did to the Bulls. That's fine. I've got Celtics in six, which is pretty crazy. And then Mavs. Oh, yeah. Dallas at Phoenix. Let's go. How good is this going to be? Luka. Booker. You've got Aiton. Can he dominate a series? That's going to be a big one. But Luka versus Booker and CP3. Is that same sort of thing going to work for Dallas as it did against Utah? The all-out. I just don't think it will. I've got Phoenix in six in this one as well. So um, we'll go into more detail on Monday about that Dallas-Phoenix series as well as uh, a possible whatever the 2-3 uh, series is going to be because we just don't know yet. <laughs> because in the West, you've got Minnesota and Memphis just hanging out and just going, oh, wait, do you guys want us to play some games, bro? Is that what you want? Are you serial? But what about if I don't want a man? Anyway, um, so yeah, we don't have the 2-3 for a bit. And Golden State are just hanging out at home. But the games that we do have on the weekend, are you excited? Are you pumped? I am. Because tomorrow we've got Memphis at Minnesota. Game six. Grizzlies are up 3-2. This game's at 11 a.m. The Grizzlies are one and a half point favorites, and I'm taking the Grizzlies. I just still think they're a better coached, better put together team. You know that Minnesota's going to be out there with the ghosts of uh, shitting the bed past, hanging over them. The thing is, like, it's really tough. Look, what do I always say? Never trust anyone who says, what do I always say, first and foremost. But also, you can never rely or trust the Timberwolves. So I can't, with good conscience, pick the Wolves in a game six that is going to be big pressure. And we've seen Carl Anthony Towns do dumb shit time and time and time again. D'Lo do the same stuff. Ant-Man has uh, been really, really good. He's also had a couple of games where it's just like question mark, you know? So I'm going with Memphis minus one and a half. I think we can get another jar. Hopefully with that last quarter performance in game five, Jars turn the corner and this is uh, where we go from here. So I'm going to take Memphis minus one and a half. Sunday, we have no games. Absolute chaos. How great is that? Just a complete day off. I'll be hungover as shit. Anyway. Uh, and then Monday, we have Millie Walker at Boston for game one. Woo! That's at 3 a.m. Who's getting up to watch that? I'll be watching the replay. Um, the Bucks are four and a half point underdogs in Boston for that first game. I'm taking Milwaukee in game one, even though I picked the Celtics in six because I think the Bucks make that close. They're going to fight and fight and fight and fight. Boston will have to, uh, you know, do some weird readjustments. But you'll remember... The Nets were in so many of those games against Boston, uh, and I think the Bucks are a much better team than the Nets. And so I'm going to take the four and a half points from the Bucks, please. Thank you very much. Uh, and that's going to be really, really fun. I think Boston could still win that, but the Bucks cover, right? So plus four and a half. I could easily see the Celtics winning that by two or three, uh, if not the Bucks winning it outright. So that's going to be a really fun game. Giannis versus Tatum. Jeru Holiday versus Marcus Smart. A lot of this feels like the fucking Spider-Man meme, but Grant Williams is going to be weirdly, strangely massive in this series as well. You know, because you think about the size of Milwaukee with Portis and Blopez, and uh, the Celtics are out there with Average Al Horford, Time Lord, Grant Williams is their bigs. Danny, bit of Danny Tice. Not, not crazily imposing, but it's going to be interesting to see what happens. So I'm going to take the Bucks in game one. All right, and we might... 
If we do have a Game 7 between Grizzlies and Minnesota on Monday, I believe that is vaguely scheduled at some point uh, <laughs> for like 5.30, I think, on Monday. So uh, if that's happening, Game 7 if needed. Memphis, look, I'd guess they'd be probably, I don't know, two and a half, three and a half point favorites. I'd go with Memphis at home on Game 7, even if the Wolves had won Game 6. So there you go. Uh, yeah, Philly-Miami happens on uh, Tuesday, and so does the Game 1. So, yeah, Game 1's of Philly-Miami's on Tuesday, and then Dallas-Phoenix is uh, on Tuesday as well, our time. So we'll uh, talk about those on Monday for you. So there you go. That's it. That's the week done. Three times elimination games today. Amazing. The triple elimination day. Either way, right, we'll be back on Monday. In the meantime, make sure you're following you along with NBA Star on Twitter, Face the IG, we're all over the socials, you know that. Check out NFL Australia, myself and Gaz. Crazy NFL draft. Uh, we'll be talking about that next week on NFL Australia. Hooray! Uh, Adam with World Wrestling Australia. Check that out on YouTube. Uh, check him out on FWCIE on Twitter. NBAAustralia.com slash shop. Get your merch. Get your merch. Or just click on the links on the socials. Rate it and review us on your podcast app. Come on! I don't ask for much. Do us a solid, would you? Uh, knowable. Go download the Noble app, bang in the code Australia, you get 20% off that. Big thanks go to From Oslo for the intro and outro song, and also big thanks go to Joshua Delarantis, Fascinated, Goldmines, Ramshackle Army, Iowa, Sex Shedai, Green Green Green, and Dozers for the tunes you hear throughout the show. Smash them all at Bandcamp, Triple J and Earth, Facey, Apple Music, Spotify, whatever. Remember, NBA Australia supports train bands, so should you. All right, we'll close out this week with a classic cooking with Bainesy, and we will talk to you on Monday, you dickheads. Have a great weekend. Look after yourselves and later, Hosanna! Cooking with Bainsey is filmed in front of a live studio audience. And now it's time for everyone's favorite Aussie cooking show. It is Cooking with Bainsy with your host, Aaron Bangers Bangs. Oh, <laughs> all right, all right. Settle down, you lot. Come on, come <laughs> Thank you very much. Yeah, g'day, g'day. Oh, welcome to Cooking with Bainsy. I'm your host, Aaron Bangers Bains, eh? So, look, all right, settle down over there. Oh, look at you on your Margaret. All right, so in this here episode of Cooking with Bainsy, we're going to fang up one of my absolute favourite Australian dishes, one that's absolutely perfect for a night in or if you're having mates over. It is that absolute Aussie staple, bloody shrimp pad thai. That's right, pad thai is probably top five Aussie dishes all time, mate. I, I cook them at least twice a week. It's full of all the good stuff you need to keep up a physique like this one. <laughs> there we go. Lots of protein and noodles and everything. It's bloody perfect. So, all you need to do, it's bloody simple, mate. You go down to your soupy, you grab some pad thai noodles, some veggie oil, a thing of garlic, a couple of eggs, a bit of soy sauce, a lime, some brown sugar, a thing of fish sauce, 
a red chili, a bunch of spring onions, a bunch of coriander or cilantro, as these Yanks call it over here, and like a handful of unsalted peanuts. Right, and then you go over to your fishmonger as well, as well. Vasily is my bloke, and get a big bag of prawns and get him to shell them for you. You don't need the shells, mate. Come on, get rid of them. All right, so get all that and let's get started. All right, so you cook your noodles in a pot of boiling water for about 10 minutes. Then you drain them and chuck them over there. Then you bang two teaspoons of the veggie oil in your pan. Now you slice up and cook a clove of the garlic in, a, in there. Chuck that in there. There you go for a couple of minutes. And on the side, whisk up two eggs. There you go, whisk them up all nice and smooth. Yeah, there you go. Now bang them in there. Just chuck them in that. Oh, look at that go. And when they're cooked, put them aside as well. And then in a bowl, you mix up your one and a half teaspoons of soy sauce, your two tablespoons of lime juice, your two tablespoons of sugar, a teaspoon of your fish sauce, and about half of your red chili. All chopped up. Look at that, nice. Chuck that all in there together and mix that all up in your bowl. Now cook your prawns. Just chuck them on there. You can probably cook them on your barbie if you want, but just put them in a pan. Doesn't matter. Now while you're doing that, grab a tin while they cook. Don't be a Nancy. And just wait until they're done. Oh, look at them cook. Oh, that is a beaut, isn't it? So once they're all done and cooked, pour all that sauce into your skillet with the scrambled egg bit. Then chuck your noodles in and toss it around just to coat everything up. Sprinkle your spring onions that's all chopped up and your coriander and your peanuts. Just chuck them on top, toss it around a bit, and bam, you're done. Unbloody believable. Chuck a lime wedge on top of that, a bit of a cilantro or coriander along the top, and Bob is your bloody uncle, mate. Voila. Bam, you're done. An absolute bloody pearl of a pad type. And look, you can fucking chuck chicken and shit in there as well if you want, but I go with the traditional Aussie recipe of prawns. And all right, how easy was that? That is an absolute beautiful looking batch of pad thai that your missus and the family will love. Now I reckon I'm going to go get stuck into these, eh? And uh, you know what? That's it for this week. Tune in next week for a new recipe and we'll see you then on the next episode of Cooking with Bainsy.